Are you guys ready for the word this morning? Amen. All right, let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much that we are able to gather together. We're able to spend time in your presence, spend time worshiping you. Lord, I just thank you that everything that we do is in honor of you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. <clears throat> well, I just give a little backstory to what I'm going to share today. Uh, I had fully intended on sharing something else today. And as of yesterday, the Lord said, no, you're not. You're going to share something else. Um, so uh, there's this, uh, throughout the week, uh, I, I love to, to listen to different worship music and um, just different things that, that just pop up. I just love to have worship music going. And there was this song that just like hit me really hard. And I started to like ask the Lord about it. I was like, you need to, to, to share this on Sunday. You need to preach on this. So today's message is called Good Plans. It's called Good Plans. Um, it's called Good Plans. And I, I'm, this morning I want to talk about how the Lord has good plans for each of our lives. What does that mean? What does that look like? But how he has good plans for us. Uh, the song itself is called Good Plans. So I would encourage you, if you've never heard it, go home, listen to it on whatever streaming, Spotify, YouTube music, whatever you use. Search for it. It's an incredible song. Uh, I would hope that it would, would minister to you. <clears throat> but this song got me thinking, what does it mean that God has good plans for our life? What does that look like? Why is it important? Why do we need a reminder that God has good plans for us? And how do we keep our eyes focused on what's ahead instead of what's behind us? So let me ask you this question. I feel like you, if you want to shout out your answer, go ahead. Just, just think about this internally. Have you ever made plans for something? Maybe they're really good plans. Like you've got an itinerary. You're like ready to go. Maybe it's a vacation, something like that. And then you get to it and then you see those plans that you made go absolutely the other direction. Good, bad, and different. The plans don't follow the plans that you had created. But in the end, the plans that changed were actually better for you than the initial plans. You can probably all think of something like that in our life where you had maybe made an internal plan about, I'm going to live here or I'm going to have this job, or I'm going to get married at this age, or whatever. And those plans don't always come to fruition, and in the moment you might get frustrated. But as you go about your life, and as you live your life, you see that the plan that the Lord had for you was actually better than any plan you could have created for yourself. I think the tricky part in those situations is sometimes that hurts. It hurts. It hurts your pride it hurts in a lot of other ways as well it hurts because you've made a plan i'm gonna go do this i'm gonna go do that and even in the mess and the muck and the mire of our plans our life how it happens god is still there and he's still working on your behalf he still has a good plan for your life he still has a good plan for your life you know in in our life you never expect things, you know, things go so much different. I think when I was 18 or 19, when Shri and I started dating, I thought we were going to have two kids. Two kids, right? We were going to be the family of four. We were going to have two kids. Um, and I was like content. I'm like, two kids, that's great, Lord. We'll have two kids. This will be great. 
Two kids came, Graham and Ruby. They're awesome kids. And then the Lord had other plans. We had Elijah. And I was like, okay, three. Three must be good, Lord. We're going to have three kids. My plan, this is my, we're having three kids. We ended up with four. We have Lila, right? <clears throat> so I could look at that and go, man, Lord, I had this plan. I had this roadmap for my life. This idea of what my life was going to look like. Would I trade my life for anything? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because my plan, my internal plan, was that of an 18-year-old. Right? 18-year-olds can have good plans, but that's such a small segment of your life. And we can only see what's right in front of us. We can only see what's right in front of us. Now, you might be a visionary and be able to see... In 10 years, I want to be here. But again, it's, it's just in 10 years. You might not even know what that's going to be, right? God is absent of time. He can see your life in its entirety, right? His plan is always better than our plan, right? I wouldn't trade having four kids for anything. All of my kids, Graham, Ruby, Elijah, and Lila, are so special in their own way. So special in their own way. They bring so much joy to our lives. And why would I want to trade that? Because it's different from my plan. You see, it's so important when we are trying to establish plans in our life that it's not just you trying to establish the plan. You need to go to the Lord to build the plan for your life. The Holy Spirit will show you and teach you and guide you in more ways than you ever would have thought if you invite him into creating the plans, right? And sometimes, I think the thing that is so important for us to remember is sometimes the Holy Spirit uses other people to help impact your life. I'll give you an example. <clears throat> Sheree was in college. She had started school as a pre-med student at the University of Duluth. Great, she was there for a year. After a year, she said, uh, don't really like the sight of blood, maybe I shouldn't go into medicine, right? Probably not a good field if you don't like that. So she came home and worked for a few years, went back to school again, this time for business. And she's like, yeah, I'm studying, and I'm getting a degree, but hated what she was studying, hated it. So we're dating at this point. She's like, Adam, I just don't like this. I don't love what I'm studying. I don't love what I'm doing. And, I, and I'll, I remember this moment, clear as day. The Holy Spirit said, ask her what she likes to do. So I said, well, what do you like to do? She's like, I love being with kids. I said, okay, well, what can you study that is involved with kids? It was like a light bulb went off. Oh, I'm going I'm, I'm to study elementary education. She got her degree in that, had an incredible college experience, got to teach kids that she's met now as adults made an impact on kids' lives that she's met now as adults that, you know, she was their kindergarten teacher and they still remember her. So the Lord will use sometimes people to help you know what's next, to help you craft out a plan because he has a good plan for you. He has a good plan for you. It reminds me as I was thinking about this of there's, there's countless people in, in the word that you can find that had created their own plan, and the Lord had another idea. <clears throat> I think one very common one that many of us know about is Moses, right? The story of Moses. His life is kind of wild. 
He's born. His mom gives him up, puts him in a basket in the river, right? He gets found. He gets adopted by the royalty. He's living this life. He makes some suspect decisions and runs. He runs into the wilderness. He goes. He's away from everything. And I'm sure in his mind, he probably thought, I'm just going to live all my days doing this. My plan. I'm just going to, I'm, I'm I, I can't go back there. I can't go back there. They hate me. I can't go back there. Well, what did the Lord do? He uses Moses to free his people from captivity in Egypt. If Moses was so stuck on his plan, no. I made this plan. I'm going to do it. It's my way or the highway, Lord. We're not doing anything. Now I'm not going there. I have, a, I, I have a speech problem. I can't do that. How many times do we do that in our own lives? I can't do that, Lord. You want me to preach? You want me to talk to that person? You want me to be nice to them? They've been awful to me. We find excuses to try and tell the Lord that his plan isn't the right plan. Moses tried to do the same thing. What does he do? Not only does he lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, not only does he, the Lord use him in the miracle of the parting of the Red Sea, not only does he lead the children of Israel for the next 40 years, where he's spending time in the presence of God, coming down and wear a veil over his face because the glory was so bright on him. Imagine if he would have just said, I'm digging my heels in, Lord. I'm not doing it. What do you think the Lord would have done? Not going to force it. He, doesn't for, he will never force you to do what you want him to do. But you need to trust that he has good plans. The tricky part, Moses leads the children of Israel for 40 years. The end of his life, he goes and he stands on this mountain peak and he's talking to the Lord. And the Lord says, you see that area over there? That's the promised land. You get to see it. You never get to go in it. Because he had a plan for Joshua to take over for Moses, to take over, to be that next step. The Lord always has a good plan. We just have to allow him and trust him that his plan is good. And you know what? I think in, in those tough times, in those tough moments, Moses' life, when he's living out in the wilderness, it's really easy to go, I missed it. I screwed up. And there's no way that the Lord can use me now because I screwed up. There's no way. Look at all the people in the Bible that the Lord used after they made a giant mistake for so much glory in his kingdom. Look at Peter. He spends three years with Jesus. In, like in, Best friends. Spends them with him. Jesus is going to the cross. Peter denies him three times. I don't know the guy. Now imagine this. I want you to think of your best friend. Your best friend in life. Whoever that is. Your best friend. Now imagine they're going through a tough time. Maybe a public disgrace. Somebody comes up and says, Don't you know? You're their best friend, right? And you look at that person and say, I have no idea who they are. 
You'd think that person, that friend, would be real eager to be friends with you again. But you don't only do it one time. You do it three times. Us, as humans, as people, we would go, sayonara, see you later. I don't, like, we would do that. But that's the beauty of the Lord. He doesn't see us that way. He sees us as his children. He doesn't see us just as friends. He sees us as his kids. He knows we're going to make mistakes. But he still has good plans for you. For those of you that have kids, would you ever say, man, I hope my kid grows up to be a failure? You would never say that. Absolutely not. I hope my kids grow up to be what God has planned them to be. Not a failure. So why do we think that God would do the same thing to us when we make mistakes? He doesn't. Because he has good plans for us. He has good plans for us. He would never want us to be a mistake. We weren't created to be a mistake. We were created with plans and a purpose for our lives. You know, I think the thing that's also important, when we have things in our lives, situations, relationships, friendships, Whatever, whatever you might think it is that we thought was going to go one way and it didn't. That you would, be, you, you would think at this point you'd be further along in your career. That you would be financially stable. That you would have more than you thought you would. But you don't. You would thought maybe you would have more kids. But you don't. You would thought you'd be married. But you're not. Even in that the Lord's, then the word tells us he has good plans for us. Even those situations that don't go the way that we expected, if we trust that God cares for us, that he loves us, we can trust that he has good plans for us. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Jeremiah 29.11. Turn there. Jeremiah 29.11. You can also look at it on the screen. It says, For I know the plans I have for you says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Let me read that again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Now we know that this is the word of God. Amen? We know that this is the word of God. And we know that the Lord says he cannot lie. So if this is his word, there is nothing in here that is not truthful. So based on what that says, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. <coughs> Excuse me. Now that doesn't say, I have plans for you if... I have plans for you when. It just says, I have plans for you. There is no if. There is no but. There is no when. They are just good plans. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Good plans. Too often, we put the Lord in a box we say we can only have good plans for our life if we are perfect. You know who that comes from? 
the enemy. He loves to convince you that the Lord can only use you <coughs> in your life if you are perfect. Well, let's face it, everybody. Nobody in here is perfect. No one. Right? Nobody. Think of the best, most prominent pastor, apostle, teacher, preacher, whoever. You look at them. They're not perfect. You never think that Billy Graham ever got into an argument with his wife? I'm pretty sure he did. We are human beings. We have a flesh. We are selfish, right? We are not perfect. The beauty of this verse is that it is not based on a condition. We need to know Jesus. We need to have a relationship with him. But we can trust that the Lord has good plans for us. The key to that, though, is the word trust. Do you trust him? Do you trust him with the plans for your life? Do you trust him with the plans for your kids? Do you trust him with the plans for your job, for your finances, for where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed, <coughs> supposed to be there? Excuse me. Sip of tea. So if his plans are good for us, why doesn't everything work out the way that it's supposed to in our lives? Oftentimes people ask that question. If his plans are good, if he loves me, why isn't everything perfect? Well, we live in a fallen world. That's number one. But we have to remember, it isn't our plan. There are things that are going to happen in our lives that we go, I don't understand why that happened, Lord. We often misinterpret things in our lives that we thought was his plan, or there's <clears throat> bad things that happen in our life that we say, oh, God must have done this to me. The enemy loves to tell us that. Well, it's because you did this. No, I'm not saying there aren't natural consequences to our decisions. <coughs> Excuse me. That does happen. If you smoke a pack of cigarettes a day, you might struggle with health conditions later in life. That is a natural condition, right? There are things that we do that have natural earthly consequences. Now, I would hope that wouldn't happen, but it is, it is a fact. And I think the thing to remember is if everything in our life went exactly as we had planned or had thought, why would we need to trust in the Lord? Right? If we could establish our own plan in this life, I'm going to do this and this and this, and it goes exactly how we would thought, why would we ever need a Savior to trust in? That's why they don't always go exactly how we think. No matter the circumstance, the direction, the situation, or challenge, we need to trust him through the highest highs, the mountain peaks in our life, and the lowest lows, the valleys, the lowest valleys. And even in those low valleys, those moments that you're just like, this is hard. We can trust that he still has good plans for us. Romans 8.28. <clears throat> Sarah was praying this out during prayer this morning. It reminds us that all things, read it up here. We know that God causes everything, 
He doesn't say some things, everything. To work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. All things, all things, everything, not just one thing, everything, all things, all things. So even when we're in the lowest lows, <coughs> we can trust that he is working all things out for our good, for our benefit, because we love God. Isn't that good? Amen? It's a biblical truth that we can cling to in our darkest moments. Again, we know that he cannot lie. This is God's word. It says this, we can cling to it. That even when it's at its worst, <clears throat> you can trust that he's going to turn it around for good. Turn it around for good. Why? Because we love him and because he loves us. We also know that the enemy's number one job, according to John 10.10, 10, Go ahead and pull that one up, Cliff. <coughs> the thief's purpose is to what? To steal, to kill, and destroy. Jesus says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So we know that those things, those valleys, those moments are straight from the enemy. His job is to come and st to steal our joy, to kill our joy. To destroy us. That's what his number one job is. If he can do that, he's done his job. But the beauty of it is we have Jesus, our Savior. He's come to give us life in abundance. What does that mean? This year, the last few weeks, we've been praying about immeasurably more. Abundance. That doesn't mean just enough to scrape by. It means over and above. Above all of it to give us our life more than we could ask or think. The Amplified puts it this way. The thief comes in, in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the, fill, to the full until it overflows. We need this reminder because just like we talked about before Christmas, we need hope in our lives. Hope that it will all work out in the end. Hope is what reminds us that he has good plans for us. That he has good plans for us. And again, I, I, I want to emphasize this. In order for us to know that we have good plans, that he has good plans for us, we need to trust him. We need to trust him. And I think one thing that we often make a mistake of, we place our trust in other things. Primarily in people or a person, to give us that good plan. Sometimes it's a ministry. Sometimes it's a politician. We place our trust in the wrong place. We put our trust that this person, this whoever it may be, is going to have all the answers for us. They're going to tell us exactly what we need to do, exactly what we need to hear. But like I said, people are people. When you place your trust in a person, even if you have the best intentions and they have the best intentions, they're bound to disappoint you. At some point, they're going to disappoint you. And I don't mean that to be harsh. It's just a reality. I know, and, and I've said this before. I'm married to Sri. I love her more than anything. 
I know I'm going to disappoint her at some point. If you're married, you're probably going to disappoint your spouse at some point. And if not, you're lying to yourself because it's going to happen, right? If you're a parent, you're probably going to disappoint your kids at some point. It's important for us to, A, know that God has good plans for us, to put our trust there, not in other people. And I would say, even a step further, we should never put our trust just in one person to speak into our lives and tell us what to do. The Lord doesn't work that way. If someone's going to prophesy over you, typically there's going to be confirmation that goes with that. Right? People are people. Even if they're prophesying, they might get it wrong. That doesn't mean they're a bad person. Doesn't, right? You trust that they're hearing from the Lord, but again, they could, they could get it wrong. So oftentimes the Lord wants you to go something. He's going to use people, but he wants to make sure he will confirm that. So I think in my own life, in times that the Lord has wanted Shri and I to step out, it's never just been one person. It's been multiple. And he's been revealing that to me as well. So oftentimes, the Lord will be dealing with me on something, and then somebody will come along and confirm it. And instantly, you might be the only one that knows that that's a confirmation. Uh, the Lord's been showing you something about the plan for your life. But that's how he works. He doesn't always show us the full picture, but he shows us enough. Right? He keeps leading us. He shows us enough for us to take the next step. He shows us enough for us to trust that he knows which way we're going. Any of you ever read a map? Old school map. I'm not talking to GPS or Google Maps on your phone that knows exactly how to get to everywhere. I'm talking like an old school Rand McNally Atlas, right? Probably used one. I don't know if they still exist. You could probably go to Target and find one. But if not, when you were reading that map, if you, if you were traveling, let's say, from here to Milwaukee, you've never done that before, and you just looked at the end of your trip, and you didn't look at anything in between, you would get lost getting to that point, right? Because when you look at a map, this is totally the Holy Spirit. This is not in my notes. Uh, if you look at a map, you look at the next step. Same if you, if you print out MapQuest directions, it gives you step-by-step -step instructions. Turn here. Go here. Google Maps is the same way. In 200 feet, do your best Siri impersonation. Turn left on this road, right? doesn't tell you. In 45 miles after these four, do this. You would never get to that point. The Lord wants to lead us the same way. He has good plans for us, but he doesn't give us too much. He only shows us what we need to see next. So when you started dating the person that you were dating, he probably didn't show you that you were going to have a kid 10 years later. You probably knew in your heart, like, I'm going to have babies at some point. He showed you what was next. In your career, if you knew when you were... 21, right at college, you maybe start as an entry-level position, that in 15 years you were a CEO, would you want to take the time learning all the things you would learn in those 15 years? No, you'd say, I'm going to be CEO, so I can just hang back. And the Lord shows you just enough in that plan. He shows you what's next. And he will use people to help confirm what's next. At the end of the day, 
it's still your decision to follow him. It's still your decision to go where he's leading you to go. It is. We have free will. We have free will. He has good plans for us, but it's up to us to be obedient and step into those plans. Jeremiah 17.7 reminds us this. It says, But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord. They trust in the Lord. Again, I want to remind you, it's so important that you are spending time with the Lord and hearing from Him. It is. Because if you're just relying on a podcast, if you're just relying on a pastor, if you're just relying on your spouse to tell you where to go, you're relying on people. He has good plans for you, but it's so important that you are taking the time in his presence, talking to him, asking him in prayer. In prayer. Prayer is just talking to God. It's communicating with him. We have different varieties and different ways to pray. But at the end of the day, that's what it is, is you are having a conversation with the Lord. And if you are having a conversation with the Lord, how are you supposed to know what the next steps are? Again, I'm going to use the map analogy. If you have a co-pilot, Sheree's my co-pilot, she's, uh, she helps me get places that I don't know where I'm going. If all of a sudden we weren't talking and she had the map in front of her and wasn't telling me where to go, I'd be looking going, where do I go? What do I do next? It would be her job to tell me where to go. Now, if I didn't take the step and go, hey, Shri, where do I go next? I would miss all my turns. I wouldn't know which direction to go because I can't do it on my own. I need a co-pilot, especially when you're driving in downtown Minneapolis, all the one-ways. It's terrible. I'd, drive, I'd much rather drive downtown St. Paul than downtown Minneapolis any day. But you need to have a person that you're communicating with and if you're not having that dialogue, it's really hard to know which way to go. You're driving aimlessly. You're going based off of your own intuition. You know what happens? You end up driving in a big circle. You don't get anywhere. It doesn't change the love of God for you. It doesn't change any of those things. God still loves you. He cares for you. You're his child. But don't you want to have an impact in this life? Don't you want to see how God can use you to impact people? Or impact just a person, even one. So I think it's so important that before we're going and listening to podcasts or different sermons or different things, that if we aren't taking the time and spending it with the Lord on our own, we're just searching for answers from men. At the end of the day, Plans of men will fail. We need God's plan in our life. And it's a good plan. A good plan. And it's really easy to know that God's plans are good when life is good. Yeah. Totally. This is totally what God wanted me. Good plan. It's great. Great. Good job, God. Good job. And then when things are hard, it's, it, it can be hard to go. Man, Lord, why am I here? I've had, probably in the last two years, several of those moments in my own life where I'm like, checkbook's not balancing, God. What's going on here? 
Well, you know what it has caused me to do? To go, you know what, Lord? I just need to trust you. I don't know where it's going to come from. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know what it's going to do, but I do trust you. I trust you. I, I think of even my kids. Graham is 10. He's almost a teenager. Likes to think that he's a teenager. I will leave that. You, you can imagine what that looks like in your own, own mind. I don't need to describe that. For those of you who are teenagers, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, he's, he's a teenager, right? He wants to be a teenager. And parenting him is so much different than parenting Lila, who's still in diapers. Hopefully not very long, uh, but she's still in diapers. So, I, you know, like for, for me, I need to be able to adapt and parent them differently. But we're, what I'm realizing with Graham is he's 10. Still needs a lot of direction. But at some point you have to start going, you need to start making decisions. I'm sure your parents did it to you. That they had to pull the reins back a little bit. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they were, you know, parents that hovered until you were 18 and out of the house, whatever it was. But at some point, you have to make decisions. The Lord is the same way in our own life. He wants to lead us. He wants us to trust him. But at the end of the day, it's our responsibility to do that. We can trust that he has good plans for us. And I say that with utter confidence. Because the word tells us that. It tells us that he's given us a hope and a future through him that he has great plans for us. But it's so important that you trust and step into those plans in your own life. Are you spending the time with him, asking him what's next? Are you surrounding yourself with people that can speak into your life? God never meant for us to be solo. He didn't. He meant for us to be a part of a community. He meant for us to be a part of a church. And even in that, if you are only looking at the pastor, if you are looking at me saying, Adam needs to give me all the advice to solve all my problems in the world, you will be sorely disappointed because there's probably somebody in this body that is supposed to speak into your life. That is what the church is all about. We are a collection. All of us have different gifts, talents, plans, and purposes for our lives. They are good, but they are all unique. So don't just look to one person. Don't just look to one podcast. Don't just look to one book. Go to the Lord. Go to the source. He's going to tell you the plan. And then he'll use people to confirm it. I love podcasts. I do. I do. I, I love it. One of my favorite podcasts. If, you, if you're into leadership, I'm kind of a leadership nerd. I love it all. Craig Rochelle has incredible resources. I was listening to one of his podcasts this morning. And I'm like, man... And this is awesome. It's also just one perspective. His idea of what good leadership might look different than somebody else. That might look different from somebody else. And not, all, not everyone is like Pastor Craig. Other people are like, so you need to find your people. The Lord has brought us together. He has good plans for us. He wants you to step into those plans. And he wants you to trust him that he's taking you down the right path. Amen? Amen? Amen. Well, let's uh, wrap things up today by receiving communion together. So uh, Eric is going to grab the communion and disperse that. 2024 is going to be the year of immeasurably more. That rhymes. I didn't even realize that rhymed. It rhymes, though. It needs to be a T-shirt. 2024 equals immeasurably more. Um, 
What a great year, though. I, I've heard a lot of different pastors, a lot of different folks talking about 2024 and just the expectation that exists. Oh, thank you. Um, it's going to be a good year. It's going to be a great year. We are also quickly approaching two years of being in the St. Croix Business Center, which is wild. That's gone by incredibly fast in March, which uh, it's just crazy. It's crazy, crazy. So as you have your communion, go ahead and prepare it. I know we, we take communion every Sunday. It's such a good reminder. And I would encourage you, if you aren't doing this, take communion at home. It doesn't have to be fancy bread and grape juice or wine. It can be a Ritz cracker and whatever liquid you have, right? The significance is what you are doing. Every time we take communion, it is a remembrance, a reminder of who God is, who Jesus is, what he did for us on the cross, that he took his body and willingly sacrificed it so that way we could be restored. He took his blood and he poured it out on the cross so that way we could be redeemed from sin. He did that for us, for each one of us. So when we take communion, it is a reminder of that covenant that we have through Jesus. It's a reminder. We need to be reminding ourselves daily of who Jesus is in our lives that he loves us, that he cares for us, that he does have a plan and a purpose for us, that he does give us a hope and a future. So go ahead and take your bread. Lord, we just thank you for this. We thank you that you, as our Savior, took your body, and as you were with your disciples, you took the bread, and after giving thanks, you broke it. And you said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you eat it, remember me. And then he took the cup. And he said, this is my blood. It's been shed for, it will be shed for you. As often as you drink it, remember me. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your goodness, for your good plans for our life. Lord, we just thank you that you surround us. You surround us with community. You surround us with your love. You just pull us in. You remind us how much you care for us. Lord, we just ask that in 2024, you draw us near. That as we draw near to you, you draw us near. Father, I just thank you for the plans and the purposes you have for us individually. I thank you for the plans and the purpose you have for this church, for this body. Holy Spirit, I just thank you for this upcoming year, for what you have planned, what you're going to do. We get out of the way. We allow you to do what you need to do. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen, amen. All right, well, Hang out, stick around. We got some hot coffee, some goodies uh, to enjoy. Um, go ahead and throw your communion cup in there. Uh, we do have corporate prayer this week on Tuesday night. Again, we'll start life groups up again in a few weeks on the 25th.
grab a cupcake or an orange or whatever, whatever you're uh, looking for and have a fantastic week. Go Pack Go.